Welcome to the Nifty Show. I am Nifty Joel. And I am apparently Nifty Zach. This has never been recorded as being my first name. That's yes. why it's not, it's not actually Nifty. That's it a is. descriptor, an adjective. A pronoun, perhaps. <laughs> you may refer to me as Nifty and Nifties. <laughs> nifty and Nifty Self. <laughs> so, doing this show a little bit differently today, as you can see, for those of you who are watching the video variation of this here broadcast that Zach is with me at my place in Puerto Rico. He actually lives on the island as well, but he's way on the other side. So this is prohibitive in many circumstances. Uh, but I am not a hologram. You are actually seeing me here. Look, proof, substantive. And today we thought rather than have a guest, we would talk about the future of blockchain gaming because to date... Let's just say that most gaming on the blockchain has been underwhelming, less than whelming. There's a lot of real games that I would describe as underwhelming. Uh, it, it seems to me that blockchain gaming is really in its infancy, and it has yet to mature beyond the toddler stage. <laughs> so right now it just needs yes. and wants our attention. Yes, there's lots of colic involved. <laughs> it's very demanding. Uh, so not having had a baby yet, colic is like once you get past that's just that's baby. Toddlers okay. toddlers don't You're colic. Outing me is not having kids. Alright, that's okay. I have two though. This is one of them. Um so you did not have colic, by the way. So I've been told I was very grateful. <laughs> he slept literally like a baby. So tell people a little bit about your gaming background because you really oh are God. an authority in this space. Um, Keep it brief. I I just do a whole lot of fucking gaming. That's I I've I've adored games ever since I was a very small child. Um, they they grabbed my attention, they held it wrapped, and I'm getting a phone call. Oh. Is it a game? Hello? Base department? Hey, it's real, it's live, it's unedited. You've <laughs> okay, played we're not cutting that. <laughs> thousands of games. Thousand, many thousands of games. I, yeah. I have 4,000 games on my Steam account, none of which I own, by the way. That's going to be relevant later. Um, but you paid for them. I Oh, yes, I did pay for them. But you don't own them. According to the, the terms of service, I have paid for licenses to access the software. Which okay. Is, so this this is actually a good starting point. Before sure. we get into blockchain gaming, let's talk. You know, there are the gaming industry is bigger than the film industry, right? It brings in Absolutely. more billions and of growing dollars. by the year and growing, and so it's significant. Um, but the model is broken in parts. What what are the biggest pain points? For gamers. Yeah, and, and I want to highlight that this isn't by design, but rather by sort of legal necessity for the entities that brought us the, the incredibly easy access that we now have to games. The, the vast majority of video games now are distributed digitally, meaning there's no more physical media, people are not really buying CDs for games, and in most cases they're not manufactured at all. Who wants more stuff? Right, who wants more stuff? You will own nothing and be happy. Yes, and eat bugs. <clears throat> Uh, so instead, Steam, as a great example, because they have like over 90% market share in the gaming digital distribution uh, industry on PC, which is also the largest gaming platform, 
they don't sell the games themselves. They sell licenses to access the games using their own software. Um, Valve is the company that develops Steam. Steam is the platform. And the first and most obvious pain point that comes out of this is that, well, there is no guarantee that all of those thousands of games that, that I have licenses to are going to even be there tomorrow. Um, anything could happen if the company were to somehow go under or come under new management and change their terms of service. My access to those games could be revoked at any given time, and that would be many, many, but many thousands of dollars. That hasn't lost. happened. It hasn't happened. It's something that could theoretically happen. It would yeah. be legal for that to happen. And if I buy a... You could still go to the store and buy boxed copies of games. Yeah. I could go and I could buy that box and then I can sell it on eBay. Mm-hmm. How do I do that with a Steam game? Oh, you. So there is a way to do it, but it's not legal. I can't condone it for that reason. Was this it selling accounts? Exactly. That's right. Okay. Like, just like people do with MMO. So if somebody plays an eBay, of like, a lot. they build an eBay account and they get power seller status, and then let's say they're done, they can sell that account to somebody else. I, I think that typically eBay doesn't allow for that, but there are black market and gray market websites um, like G2A and Kinguin that will facilitate the selling of accounts or other things that would normally break developer, publisher, and seller terms of service. Kinguin? Kinguin. Spell it. Uh, King. U-I-N. Like oh, King, King penguin. Gwen. I thought it was a Ken Gwen, like as a penguin named Ken. No. No, it's a... <laughs> I am Ken Gwen. The, the King Penguin might be named Ken, but I, I wouldn't know. King Gwen. Got it. So, when you go into Fortnite, or any of these games, we've played some of these games together, Dauntless, um, and uh, Team Fortress 2, there are marketplaces that are legit. For like TF2, right? If you want to sell hats so, and skins, Valve Fortnite is, too. Valve is really an outlier in this regard. So Valve being the developer for Team Fortress 2 and Counter-Strike, um, they have these enormous game item markets that are built into Steam, their platform, where you can actually get these really rare gun and knife skins or these really rare hats for Team Fortress 2. And some of those have been known to be sold for up to thousands of dollars. However... If you successfully sell something on Steam, you can't take that money back out. You receive your payment in the form of Steam credit, just one giant gift card. And that is the extent of the agency that you have over those items. Now, I I want to emphasize that Steam is an outlier here because there's no other company I know of that allows for this kind of activity. The universal standard across gaming is that anything that you earn or unlock in games... You can't extract the value outside of the game. It's stuck there. It's not something you actually own. It's something that lives inside the software that you have a license to access. So I pulled, I, I searched for Fortnite marketplaces because Fortnite is probably the biggest, right, multiplayer. Uh, it's one of the biggest one of the biggest games right now. And this is not owned by Epic, but there's you can go in here and you can go into the Fortnite shop and people are buying and selling certain items here. How, how are those transferable between accounts? Or are these not transferable items? Those are not transferable, so how does that work? That's a great question. Like there's a Harley Quinn skin. How does somebody get the Harley um, Quinn it, skin? It, it's, uh, so it, it's possible that Fortnite has a gifting mechanism that I might not be aware of. I, I'm not sure how else they would deliver items other than Selling accounts themselves. 
Right. So basically, it's not built into the game, and, and you don't really you own it, but the only way you can sell it is black market ish. Basically. Whereas games that have NFTs in them, they're open marketplaces to buy, sell, and trade whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And and we've seen that happen uh, in some blockchain games effectively. But you know, we we came up in the Wax ecosystem, right? Being the developer of Blockchain Heroes, and of course you're developing your Draco dice and building f- games around that. What is broken in the blockchain gaming world? Well, who's actually playing blockchain games? Uh, NFT collectors. That's right. It's not actually gamers. Well, there's an overlap. Games. There, there is a very small overlap in, in a very small number of games. Like if you look at Splinterlands and Gods and Chains, like those are the two at the top of my head where there are some actual gamers, people uh, who are games enthusiasts. Uh, there might be some in Uplands, perhaps, okay. um, who are playing the games because they enjoy playing the games. But the vast majority of the population that's currently playing blockchain games are what I would describe as Web three people, um, like us. If we if we weren't gamers, a web. Which is different than a webbed feet person. Not that there's anything wrong with that's very different. People with I webbed mean, you, feet. There, there could be some crossover there too. You could you could have a webbed feet web three person. <laughs> so I'm looking here at the top blockchain games on PlayToEarn.net. Great domain. Whoever sees that Axie is number one. Um, and what happened when the value of their their love potion collapsed. Axie fell victim to the same sort of uh, incidental pyramid scheme disaster <coughs> that uh, the majority of play-to-earn games have come across. And that seems to me to be indicative of two problems. One, that they are not able to garner interest in the actual gaming community and are instead sustained by people in Web3. And two, that there is entirely too much speculation involved in the value of the assets as opposed to people primarily placing value on them because the assets are intrinsically desirable. Ah, that's a really good point. See, this is the difference between play to earn and play for fun. Right. Right, because what we've seen, for example, one of the earliest games on Wax games, in in quotes, big hairy quotation marks, not that my fingers are hairy, um, was Our Planet, right? Mm-hmm. Our Planet did really, they did a great job in selling assets, which would be used to mine Aether, and then you'd be able to stake NFTs from across multiple collections and earn more Aether and combine your um, elements that you made to create new elements, which would then drive more. And every day you would go in and you would click a button to claim your Aether, and if you, don't, if you didn't click it, well, well, early on, you could wait to click it. But now, if you don't go in and click it, you can lose it. Right. So, is that fun? No. No, there's absolutely nobody who would be playing that game if it weren't Web3 and didn't offer the potential for revenue for well, its users. So, let me play devil's advocate. Go because ahead. last night, I was up late on my iPad playing a cookie clicker. Which is a game that goes absolutely nowhere, has no end. Listen, no, no there's no, no what you're winning. talking about. What you're talking about now is you're talking about incremental games, and incremental games are playing on 
these really niche areas of our brains where our, our human psychology loves the whole numbers go up thing. Yeah. Which our planet doesn't have that. Okay. No. Our, our planet never well, had that. Well, the numbers do go up if you cl- go in to click your items. It, it still plays psychologically on that a little bit because if you don't go in and claim it, you lose it. Right, but that's purely powered by a, by a sense of FOMO rather than I'm going to upgrade my production buildings to increase the the rate at which I am baking more cookies. To, to do nothing. To go nowhere. If you don't know what a cookie clicker is, go and, and search. <laughs> or for, don't. Or oh. don't. Save yourself the time. Okay, but I, I, can, I can summarize this really quickly because we, we probably just lost a, a bunch of people. Cookie clicker and other incremental games are where you, you are simply creating, generating this number of a widget. In cookie clicker's case, it's cookies. And you can spend cookies to upgrade the rate at which you make more cookies. And it just goes... Ad infinitum until you're creating quadrillions and much larger numbers that I, I don't. This, have this is the game. It's plugged in in my bedroom called Deep Web, and I've got I don't know 4.9 trillion of a thing, and it's just incrementally making more things. We're so off topic. We're so off topic, but it, well, it's not completely off topic because. This idea that is this fun? Well, there's something about it that's I, I th- fun. I think these are. F- I love. Some, I love some incremental games. Huge fan of some incremental. <laughs> Quote: games. I love me some incremental games. Yeah, they okay. can be really interesting. All right, so we'll steer things back here. Uh, our planet, uh, Green Rabbit. They actually, I think they actually have Green Rabbit made some kind of actual game. Yeah, there's some actual gaming going going on in there. Um, but a lot of these games aren't really fun. So what do we need to shift in our perspective regarding NFTs and so gaming? So you're on the right track when you say that we need to make games fun. That That's a given. That's absolutely true. When we're making Web3 games, we need to prioritize fun as the main thing that's being sold. Not the NFTs, not the speculative value of the NFTs. But I, I think that a holistic solution to this problem of not actually being able to get gamers to play blockchain games, which is going to severely restrict the value of play to earn, is that we have to actually attack the speculative potential of the assets themselves. And we have to attack the idea that you can replace your job with income made from play to earn games. Now, you can point to the survivors of any play-to-earn economy, like Axie, the people who actually did make off with uh, 100, 1,000 X, and say, well, what about those people? And that's, that's the pyramid scheme at work. Those are the people who got the exit early when the getting was good. And the vast majority of users are not getting that kind of response out of play-to-earn games. I did not sell my – I did not play the game, but I own AXS. I did not sell it. I did not sell it. <laughs> but as long as there's going to be the selling points that's about you can make all this money by playing this game and selling the assets that you're getting from it, as long as that is a primary selling point, there is going to be a lot more speculator traffic attracted than there will be gamer traffic. Part of the reason for why that is is because gamers can smell bullshit. And they have been trained... You might not have noticed, they've been trained over the course of the last year or so to immediately identify Web3 and play-to-earn as bullshit because a gamer 
looks at a pleader in game and knows instantly, okay, so there are some rich assholes that don't care about the gameplay who are profiteering <clears throat> off of this. And they're basically there to exploit people why like me who aren't spending be, all this money. Why do they have to be assholes? Well, you could make the argument that they're operating completely legally and justly within the, the capitalist I mean, it, system. I mean, it takes their investment to make the game go. Why? Are, like, there might not be a game if you, they didn't I mean, have we could those. have a whole episode on the ethics of this question. Because I, I, would, I would say that that's not entirely ethical. And that that could actually be very unethical. See, see part two... Soon. <laughs> I don't know. It could make for an interesting topic. Did you lose your train of thought? No, no. It, it's it's that um, it stopped at a station and there's boarding <laughs> taking place. So the, some people got to get off and some people... Check it, please. Got to click your cookies. The angle at which Web3 games are produced, if we want to get gamers into Web3, which... We do, just because of how huge gaming is. And, and will. This, this beast cannot sustain itself on Web3 traffic. It needs it mm-hmm. needs to integrate with the traditional video gaming structure and, and that audience. They Those people need to know how they benefit from this system. And the idea that we can convey those benefits to them by just saying, oh, you truly own your assets, whatever that means, and you can make lots of money doing this... That's not going to fly. It's not working. It hasn't been working. It's taking enormous amounts of effort. It's pulling teeth to get real gamers, real people that are consuming games, into these titles. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. So well, you're you're taking this approach with Draco Dice. I mean, you're looking yes. at it and going, I don't want to make it about the NFTs. I want the game to be fun, which is kind of what Blankos it mythical what they've done right they've created yeah, this world see, they've done a better job of it than almost anybody they've got party games you know galore but in the game you buy the blancos characters and you own those and there you can sell them to others um, for real money right I've, I've got some of the founders editions that I'm, they keep I keep them boxed they sit on my shelf because I don't really play the game right so I can be an investor but in this case, not an asshole, because... Sure, and I'm, I'm not saying all investors are assholes, but it's possible... It, it's like, Tell me that this hasn't happened. Let me frame it this way. Tell me this hasn't happened. Where somebody has gone in to look at a game on the grounds that they believe it will be attractive to gamers. Right. And they know that they can utilize the scarcity of some of the most valuable assets in that game, monopolize the, the quantity of scarce assets in order to make gamers who actually want to use the assets pay more. Well, yeah. But Is, that, isn't that literally scalping? It's literally scalping. Literally it's, scalping. It's, it's the, the, the ticket headhunters for the concerts buying up with, you know, a... Uh, a call center worth of people buying up as many tickets as they can, not to go to the concert, but to sell them on the secondary market. Same thing with PlayStation 5s, because Sony has struggled with supply Same lines. Same thing with Beanie Babies and them. Tickle Me Elmos and everything. If there's an opportunity for people to make money, they're going to um, capitalize Hell, on that. Same thing with a lot of NFT releases. How many NFT releases have we seen where there was less of a supply than there was demand, and the supply was gone in a matter of seconds, right. and who bought that supply? It wasn't all people who actually wanted the assets. It was right. people who knew they could flip for a super fast profit. 
Okay, so you know, as I look through this play to earn top blockchain games, I notice a lot of them aren't actual games. They're metaverses, virtual worlds, if you will. Verses, not metaverse. We need to have an episode on what metaverse means. Well, you know, I've point. talked, I've, I've ranted on that specifically many oh, times. Okay, all right, all right. Yes. Travis could probably repeat my rant uh, because I've said it so many times. Verbatim. Yes. Um, you know, most of these ones I'm looking at here, a lot of them are what they call metaverses, which you can't actually earn anything in yet. But I, I think it's a step in the right direction, kind of like... Isn't that what Blankos has? They have this virtual world, and in that world, while you're playing, you can earn. There, there is a very small number of what I would describe as proto-metaverses, uh, like Tower Unite, and perhaps Second Life, and maybe VR Chat, that are designed to be social spaces, but also have games built into them in a way that was clearly intentional from the beginning. So where, you know, like with Tower Unite, it's, a pri- it's primarily a social space, but then they, they built it to also build mini-golf into it, among other mini-games. So this, this platform that serves multiple purposes, one of which is allowing for socialization, and the other of which is playing a game. And yes, Blinkos definitely fits that. So as, and I've never played enough Blinkos to know, you know, can you actually earn, but you do earn Blinkos bucks... Uh, with your NFT item, and then when you save them up, you can purchase an NFT from the in-game store with your Blankos bucks. So, um, yeah. Now, there was this piece of news that came out yesterday that, uh, and for those who don't know what day it is, uh, it is currently the 21st of July, and the story that came out yesterday kind of rocked the um, the gaming world because Minecraft said no NFTs in the Minecraft universe, which of course two such um, NFT games, NFT worlds, which I bought one and now I regret because they're virtually worthless now, um, and the Uplift world, both built on Minecraft. So I, I have to preface this topic by saying I'm shocked that the Uplift and NFT Worlds were able to get as far as they did with this because Minecraft is somebody else's IP. You know, it, it never belongs to either of these yeah. other companies and saying no NFTs allowed is completely within Microsoft's right because it's their service. It's not an open source thing that just anybody can, can walk into and use for whatever reason. Um, you know, I never saw anything unethical with the idea of running a, a Minecraft server where you sell plots of land, which is what the Uplift and I presume NFT Worlds right. um, did. You know, I thought that that was a great idea. That said, maybe we could have seen this one coming. It's a perfect example of what happens when you build on rented land. You don't do that in the real world. You buy property. It's a really you, terrible irony, considering that there's multiple layers of land here in the first place. You mean the, the rented land of renting Microsoft's land, right? And then creating plots of land within that land to sell to. I, I think what's going to happen with NFT worlds and the uplift is they're going to go, okay, we're going to transition to a Minecraft clone. Or they're going to build their own. Right. They're not going to give up. They're going to bring value to their community, especially NFT Worlds, because they have a, they have big coffers. They have 
they raised a lot of money and I, I looked in their discord and they're not leaving so this is an opportunity for them to pivot and maybe we'll end up benefiting them greatly in the long run because they can actually own the land and and not be kicked off by the slumlord I, I guarantee that both of these these companies and each of their efforts have run into a lot of obstacles just because they were trying to work with a tool that was built by somebody else and not for that purpose. Mm-hmm. So they might, uh, it might be a good time to buy some NFT worlds. I don't know. It's down 66% from when the, the tweet came out. This is not investment advice. Go do your own damn research. Wild, wild west. Yes. So what's the bottom line on play-to-earn gaming. What does it look like? And, and combine that with you know, your approach to what you're doing with Draco Dice. Can't call it play-to-earn anymore. The, the term play-to-earn is effectively dead. And but, but it's not. People are going to keep using no, it no, the, no, no. the way... It, yes. Everybody else, uh, everybody else is going to catch up to what I am saying right now. Okay. We, we're both futurists here, and He's I am giving you the future. Play-to-earn is dead. There is, there is money in it right now. There will continue to be money in it. Until the industry matures to the point where they realize, oh, we can't sustain this off of the same group of patsies over and over who are going to buy at low levels into this vision that is not built to be sustainable economically, which has been the problem. And you don't know this yet, but you're about to know this, but you're going to write an article called Play to Earn is Dead. I'm going to write an article called Play to Earn is Dead. And it's going to get published. I believe that. I know it is. I know it's going to happen. Because I think it's an important message, and I think uh, there's great link bait in it, but it's also uh, it's also true. Declaring people, things dead is a very very uh, convincing angle of attack. By the way, Bitcoin is dead for the fourth time. <laughs> oh wait, no, it's not. All right, hey, thanks for watching and or listening. Of course, as always, you are encouraged to subscribe. Ring bells, tell a friend, send us cookies, uh, leave a five-star review, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Keep it nifty. Looking into the future, what do we see? It's lined with digital collectibles, we call them NFTs. Games, trading cards, digital art, and those crypto kitties. Travis and Joel are the hosts you'll know. Travis and Joel say this won't blow. They're locked and loaded, so ready, set, go! It's the Nifty, really kind of spiffy. The Nifty Show.